you nuts? What are you getting excited for, Jerry? What am I getting excited for? When you're stupid, we got a million fucking bulls out there. Everybody's watching us, and you get a fucking car. But it's telling me I'm excited? My mother's name. It's a wedding gift. Yeah, I don't give a fuck whose name it's on. Are you stupid or what? Did you hear what I said? Don't buy anything, don't get anything, nothing big. Did you hear what I said? What's the matter with you? The following podcast is a Carolina Boys production. Welcome back, everyone, to Crime and Entertainment. Now, if you recognize that little intro there, that was Robert De Niro playing the character Jimmy Conway from the movie Goodfellas. And we're going to do another episode today of Behind the Gangster. We done one a few months back on Tommy Simone. It went over real well. So myself and Anthony Ruggiano are going to sit back down and do a deep dive into Jimmy Burke, the real-life character based on the portrayal of Robert De Niro in the movie Goodfellas. So let's get right into it here on Behind the Gangster on Crime and Entertainment. Hi, everybody. I'm Anthony Ruggiano, and I want to welcome everybody to Reform Gangsters, and I also want to welcome my friend Hollywood Wade to the show. Good to see you again, my Good friend. Good to see you. Well, one of the last times we were here, we'd done a little segment called Behind the Gangster, where we kind of compare movies to real life, and I think it come off real well. The video done real well on your channel, uh, mine as well, so I thought we would hit up another one. Jimmy Burke, what do you say? Yeah, for sure, definitely. It did well. <clears throat> I think uh, I, I enjoyed it because, you know, I, I have personal relationships with these people that they made movies about, so it's kind of weird sometimes for me to... But it's fun. Right. Well, see, you know, you meet Jimmy Conway in the movie. They called him Jimmy Conway. Obviously, that's not his his real name. But you meet him like he's already grown and had done a lot. But from what I understand, and you may be able to shed some light on this, he was orphaned at a young age and had a very rough childhood. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, he was orphaned. He was a foster child. He was abused as a young boy. Mm -hmm. Actually, his foster parents, he caused them to crash in a car. When he was a young child. I heard that. Uh, you heard that story, yeah. right? That's all true story. He was a foster child. His mother was a prostitute. Mm -hmm. So he really never knew who his father was. And how I know all this is because I was friends with him and his children, his daughter, Kathy, his sons, Frankie and Jesse. He named his two kids after Frank and Jesse James because they were his idols. Um, yeah, but that's all true. He was a foster child. He was abused physically, you know, sexually. Uh, unfortunately, he had a terrible childhood. And, you know, and, and, and you know, and... I guess it made him who he was, you know. Um, right. I really, I mean, I ran across him. I mean, God, unfortunately, the last time I saw him was at his funeral. I mean, he passed away in prison, and I went to his funeral uh, because I knew the family. But, yeah, that's all true. That's all definitely true. And I think the reason why De Niro didn't use Burke, um, I know before they started filming the movie, Robert De Niro had reached out to Jimmy, who was up in, I think he was in Dannemora at the time. He was in New York State Prison. and um, they reached out to him if he would allow De Niro to go there and visit him, and he said no. And De Niro actually met with his family, I think in a diner on Causeway Boulevard or somewhere, and they asked all they asked of De Niro was that they left Frankie, the murder of the son Frankie, out of the movie, and they did that. Corsese and De Niro left anything about Frankie out of the movie because, as we know, 
his son Frankie was married by Tito the barber, who later also got married. So it was, um, and they did. They they respected that and they left it out of the movie. Now, and I know he kind of became, you know, got his his start. People noticed him. He took a, I think, a pinch for writing bad checks, and he got a little stretchy. And he didn't rat on anybody. No. He didn't say anything, and that obviously gets you noticed by some of the higher ups. Pauly Vario took a liking to him, and that's mm -hmm. kind of how he started to to rise up the ranks. But one question before we get into true, false, and good fellas is a story <laughs> that I heard that was pretty brutal. The night before he got married, mm -hmm. they said that he went over to his fixing to be wife's house to her ex-boyfriend's house and paid him a visit with a chainsaw. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, that, you know, that, that's always, that was always talked about in my neighborhood. It was always rumored. Um, do I know if he did it or not? Knowing him, he probably did do it. You know, I mean, did do it with the rumor, you know, pertains to, but uh, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, he was, he was a vicious killer. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, people that are, were around my father had an incident with him where he went into a bar and two kids that were my father, Ronnie one who later became a captain in the Gambino family and this other kid, Frankie Geish, were in this bar and he walked in the bar and he took a guy in the kitchen and he killed the guy and then he helped, made them help him put the guy's body in the trunk of his car and he left. And later on, about a week or two later, my father sent for him and told him, make sure he left them two kids alone because they were afraid he was going to kill them. So he was vicious and would he have done that? Definitely. Did I hear that rumor? Yeah, I did. Now, in the movie, they do a lot of hijacking. It seems like JFK was a cash <laughs> register for you guys. Was that like solidified for one family or did every family had a piece? How was that divided up? Because it seemed like that was what Jimmy, you know, was a, a lot of there was hijacking. No, as far as the hijacking, no, everybody, my father had a crew that hijacked trucks. Uh, Jimmy, that Paul Valerie had a crew. The only thing that was controlled in the airport was the union, was the Teamsters union, was controlled by Paulie Vario. This okay. guy, Frank DeWap, he was a he was a wise guy with Paulie Vario. They ran the union. All the they ran the union out of the out of Kennedy Airport. And later on, they were going to indict it for that. But as far as hijacking trucks, that was uh, a free for all. Okay. I mean, I I had a lot of stuff back then that came out of the airport. A lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Well, and we touched on this when we covered the Tommy D. Simone in his episode. But the Billy Bats killing has been linked to why Tommy was taken out, or one of the reasons. I know there was a lot more. That was, may have just been the icing on the cake. But in the movie, it portrays De Niro being just as much a part of it as Tommy. If that was true, and I'm not saying it was because obviously I wasn't there, but if that was true, why wasn't Jimmy, you know, entangled in that? Because as we both know, when you kill a made man, that is a no-no right. in this business. Was he able to skate on that? How was that? I think... Tommy perpetrated the whole incident. I think so. That that sort of gave Jimmy a pass. Okay. But like you said, there's more to it. Like, not only did Tommy participate in killing Billy Batts, who was a made guy, there was also this guy named Foxy mm -hmm. from my neighbor that was very close with the guy. He was with the guy. He was a hijacker, big-time hijacker. And they were friends. Tommy and Foxy were friends. And unfortunately, when Tommy was in prison, Foxy had an affair with Tommy's wife. Okay. So when Tommy got out of prison, Tommy killed Foxy. So I think between Billy Bats and Foxy and whatever else he was doing, I know the Gaudis and the Gambinos forced that issue to kill Tommy because what happened was after Tommy got killed, my father was in, who was very close with Paulie Vario, they were in Springfield, Missouri, in the federal prison out in Springfield. It was a hospital prison where actually John Gotti died. And I remember in the visiting room, Paulie 
told my father that they wanted Tommy handed over to them, and Paulie told them that he cleans his own dirty laundry, and they they did Tommy themselves to Vario Cruz. So it was a, a number of things, and I think Jimmy got a pass because he was Jimmy. He was, you know, Paulie protected him, and, and Tommy was the sacrificial lamb. And another interesting thing that Jimmy was involved in that a lot of well, – some people know about it, but – the Boston College point scandal. That wasn't in the movie, but those guys made a ton of money yeah. with that. I mean, they, they wound up, I think they did take a case on it later yeah. on, but they made a lot of money with that Boston. Oh, yeah, well, that, that Henry gave that up. Henry Hill gave yeah. that up. Yeah, but I knew about that when it was going on. I mean, Paulie Barrow's crew was very involved in gambling. They had a lot of, they, they with Big E's, they were like on um, competition with, uh, we used to go to racetracks and bang out big, big, they used to call it the Super Perfecta. They, we had a system, it was two races, and you had to pick four horses that, uh, or, or uh, four or dogs, four that came in and then take that ticket and exchange it for the next race. And we used to buy up to tickets and sometimes we would hit the whole pool. So they were into all that. And yeah, they were fixing races in Boston. Uh, I mean, basketball games in Boston. And Henry gave it up there. Matter of fact, they got convicted for that. Yeah. They went to prison for it. Yeah. So that's all, that's all real. That all really took place. I guess how much could they put in a movie? I mean, how much yeah. you got to leave something out? Yeah. Um, Lufthansa was a huge point in that movie because that's kind of when everything started to go south, even though the robbery went off perfect. But then one by one in the movie, you see Stax Edwards go and then, you know, it just starts clipping them one by one. Was that kind of how it really started? I know Stax did leave the the truck, which was going to start. So I can kind of see Jimmy's thought process of taking out Stax to try to, you know, cut the trail cold. But then after that, do you think it was more of a situation to where greed maybe did play a part? Is in why give these guys these shares if I can just kill them? Or was it trying to make sure nobody connected him to the robbery? Which one was more prevalent? You know what? I think it had a lot to do with both. I mean, it was he didn't trust nobody. I mean, the rumor was that it was because he didn't want to give nobody their end, mm -hmm. which I want to put past them because that's, that's the life. And uh, it was a little bit of both. I mean, the wig guy, I mean... Uh, he kept asking for his money. They didn't trust him. They killed him. Stocks solely got killed because of what he did with the van. I mean, I knew Stocks. I had a beef with Stocks years before that in an after-hour club in South Ozone Park. But we became friends after that. So, yeah, he got killed because of the van. And everybody else got killed because Jimmy had the money. I mean, Jimmy had the money. He didn't want to probably give nobody his end. He didn't trust none of them. And he got paranoid. You got to understand, too, which is not spoke about. It's always kept under wraps, which I don't know why. These guys were all blowing coke, free base and coke. I don't know. I mean, they were all drinking and doing drugs. I mean, you know, it, it plays on you, you know what I mean? So Jimmy was probably catching delusions and being greedy, and 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 they all went. Yeah. You know? And Paulie had to give the okay. You know, and that's another thing nobody talks about. Jimmy couldn't just kill these people on his own. He had to get permission. These guys were all with Paulie Vario. Jimmy was not a wise guy. Yeah, Jimmy was uh, Irish, right? Right. Yeah. So he had to go. He couldn't just randomly kill people because in the mob, even though, you know, you're murdering people, there's protocol. You know, my father used to tell me there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. You know what I mean? You have to get permission. You got to put it on record. You can't just randomly kill people because you're going to get killed. So he had to go to Paulie and say, listen, I want these guys got to go. And Paulie had to give him the permission. And why would Paulie, the only way Paulie would give him the commission, the permission is if Jimmy went there with a shoebox full of $100 bills and went, Paulie, listen, this is for you. And these guys got to go. So... 
you know, makes it that, makes it a real easy decision. <laughs> right. Now the time the highest pulled down, I think it was reported. There, there's been varying reports, but somewhere around fifteen eight million, which was one of the highest at the time. I'll tell you a quick story. Some guys where I lived at in South Carolina, like four or five guys come up with this not so bright idea to rob an armored car. Uh, one of the guys that worked for the armored car company was in it and they did. It was nine point eight million. And when I heard that number, I knew some of the guys that was involved in it. I didn't know they were doing it, but I knew them. And when I heard it, I said, geez, I said, you guys beat the Lufthansa number. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And, and they had to leave a lot. They didn't even realize how much was going to be on the truck. They had to yeah, leave yeah. a lot in the truck. Yeah. But uh, so towards the end of the film, after Lufthansa, after everybody starts to go, as it starts to wind down, everybody starts dealing drugs. Uh, Henry Hill starts dealing drugs. Polivario's telling them not to. But Jimmy's also doing it. It seems like, as we've mentioned earlier, it seems like Jimmy gets a pass again. Or did they know that he was dealing drugs? You know, or was he dealing drugs? Well, Henry definitely was dealing drugs. Well, I know Henry, I, yeah. And I definitely, Jimmy was getting an, a piece because Henry wouldn't do nothing without Jimmy. That's like the unwritten law. You know, I mean, everybody was dealing drugs and everybody was paying no mind to it. Did, did, did Jimmy get a pass? Of course he got a pass. But they were all dealing drugs. I mean, they were partners. They were all whacking it up. I mean, I know Henry was def Henry became an addict. You know, Henry was, you know, even after Henry cooperated when he used to, he would go on talk shows drunk and, you know, so he had a definitely had an issue. And they were all, everybody was dealing drugs. Everybody was getting high. I mean, I got high with them. I mean, I used to, Tommy DeSimone used to pick me up by my father's bar, and he, as soon as I got in his car, he, he handed me a package. I mean, you know, they were all using, they were all dealing, they were all stealing, you know, it was just crazy. And even Lutunza, you know, people, getting back to that for a second, my father fenced all the jewelry for Lutunza, so that was another million dollars in jewelry they had. My father and his partner, Tony Lee, they fenced all the jewelry for Lutunza about a year after the robbery, and they were all using. I mean, it's a funny story because they wanted me to, once uh, Tommy DeSimone and, and Anthony Stabile, who was another psychopathic killer, wanted to get high with me one day, and I told them no, and my brother to this day still teases me. He tells me, that's the only time you ever refused getting high with me. I said, yeah, I'm going to go with them so they could catch a delusion. Oh, God forbid his father finds out. We better kill this kid so <laughs> Fatty Andy don't find out about it. I said, I'm going to go just go with them. I told him. My brother to this day, he still teases me. So they were all dealing. They were all, you know, Paulie loved Jimmy, and he loved Henry. And even in Springfield, Missouri, my father hated Henry Hill. For some reason, my father never liked Henry, um, and Henry knew it. So Henry would stay away from my father when my father was around. Even with me, when I would run into Henry, he would like, hello and goodbye me. He would never like really c converse with me or anything. He would just like, you know, acknowledge me. But, um, and in S Springfield, Missouri, my father, used to tell Paulie, I told you about this guy. And Paulie used to go, please, Andy, you don't break my balls over this Henry. I know, you never liked him because Henry put Paulie in jail. Yeah. So it's now, crazy. Before we hopped on camera, you told me a little story about one of your first girlfriends. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, I dated Kathy Burke. She was a waitress. And, so, you know, I got to say one thing about Jimmy Burke and his kids. I mean, I, you know, they were, we were all dear friends, and I have all the respect in the world for his children. You know, uh, they all, you know, the business people, lawyers. I mean, they always worked. No matter how much money Jimmy made or who Jimmy was, his kids always worked. Jesse and Kathy always worked. Kathy now has a jewelry business in Manhattan for years. Um, I think Jesse might have even became an attorney now. I'm not sure, but they always worked. Kathy worked from a young age. 
So uh, that was, I guess that was good. I mean, I wish, I wish my father did that with me, made me go to work. You know, unfortunately for me, you know, when I was 16, I went to work for my father in a blackjack game. <laughs> you know, well, the other we all know where that got me. <laughs> the other one did, he followed in the business because he Frankie, was, he was part Frank, in the Lufthansa. He was, he was the driver. Crash right, car. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, Frankie did follow his father into life and, and he was killed by a, this guy Tito, the barber, he was a barber in this barbershop, father and son that we all, that John Gotti used to go to. We all went to it. It was the, like one of the first salons, men's salons in our neighborhood. So it was like, uh, so we all, all the wise guys went. Um, uh, and, um, you know, he was in an F-Dow joint one night and um, Frankie was a little abusive. I mean, I like Frankie. We got along good, but, you know. Unfortunately, you know, he would drink a little bit. He would get a little abusive, and he abused this guy, Tito. You know, my father always told me, don't underestimate anybody. Anybody could kill you, and that's pretty much what happened. You know, he was a barber. Frankie was Jimmy's son. He started abusing this guy, Tito, and uh, Tito was lit up, you know, on coke, and he was a big coke fiend and alcohol, and he left. He went, got a gun, and Frankie left that night, and uh, when Frankie walked out of the after hour joint, Tito shot him and murdered him, and Tito's brother-in-law was a wise guy with the Colombo, was named Dominic Cataldo. A lot of people don't know this. And Tito ran away when after he killed Frankie Burke. Tito ran away. And Dominic Cataldo, who was a wise guy with the Columbos, who was Tito's brother-in-law, allegedly straightened it out because what happened was three weeks later, I'm in this bar, because me and Tito were tight, I'm in this bar called... Um, it was on 100, the uh, flight 116. It was on 116th Street and, and, and 101st Avenue. And I'm in there one night. It was in the summer. And uh, the door opened and Tito walked in. And he walked in. I'll never forget. He walked in and he sees me, hugs me. And I tell him, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, my brother-in-law straight. I said, your I said, you killed Jimmy Burke's son. What are you, crazy? What are you doing here? He goes, no, my brother-in-law, Dominic, straightened it all out. I said, your brother-in-law straightened it all out. I said, all right. So we had a drink, and then he wanted to go to an after-hour club in Jamaica that Jojo Carraza owned, who was the counselieri of the Gambino family. He owned the, the, this after-hour joint. So Tito wanted to go there with me. So we, walk, we walked out of the flight, and Tito says, come on, drive with me. I said, that's all right. I'll meet you there, because I wasn't <laughs> getting in the car with him. So we went to the after-hour club, which, and we hung out there. And then two days later, Tito was in his barber shop, and two guys walked in with an Uzi, and they... They blasted him with an Uzi. So his brother-in-law, at the end of the day, Dominic set him up. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, Dominic set him up. So, you know, that's a little story that, you know, I haven't really talked about much. But uh, And that's why, you know, when I see these movies and we talk about these movies, it's, it's kind of weird because, you know, I know these people. And mm -hmm. I know, you know, I know I, 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 how they died and when they died. And it's just, uh, it's, it's sometimes it's like an out-of-body experience for me. To close it out, it's a good question here. We, we covered it. He wasn't a made guy. He wasn't Italian. He was an Irishman. But I would say probably from all the research I've done, probably one of the most respected Irishmen ever in La Cosa Nostra. Without a think? doubt. Definitely, without a doubt. You know, just be, they, because what happens is they put, like, Paulie puts the word out and the head of the family puts the word out. Like, they're going to get respect. They're allowed to sit down. They're getting respected as captains and what. Like, like Joe Watts is the same way. I don't know, you know, people are familiar mm -hmm. with the name Joe Watts. He was one of John Gotti's hitmen. He was English. 
and he was a, he got he, word went out that he was to be respected at, like a captain. So even though they're not officially made, they don't have the ceremony. They're getting the respect of, of a made member because of who they are and what they did. So they, you know, yeah. But Jimmy was definitely the most well-respected Irish guy uh, in the mob that, in my lifetime, anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that about wraps this one up, man, for another episode of Behind the Gangster on Jimmy Burke. I think it went well, my friend. Oh, yeah, it definitely went well. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Reform Gangsters, and I'll see you soon. Well, boy, oh, boy, what an episode that was. I really enjoy these Behind the Gangsters. I enjoy getting to know what the person was like in real life compared to how they were portrayed on film. I'm lucky enough to you know, become friends with Anthony, who knew a lot of these guys personally, is able to provide some great insight into how these guys were in real life. So a few things they left out of the movie, such as him chainsaw and his wife's uh, ex-husband up the night before they get married. I mean, I guess that's uh, as good as going out as a bachelor party, I guess. Uh, and uh, also his sons uh, getting involved in the criminal activity. They kind of left that part out as well. But there you go, folks. That's where you can get this inside information here on Crime Entertainment. We hope everyone's enjoying the podcast. Please go over to YouTube, like, and subscribe, because that's where you can find the video clip to this right here. And, of course, we're on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Apple, all the mainstays, folks. So go like us, rate us five stars, do us a good, solid favor, and give us a great review if you would be so kind. And, of course, on the social medias, crime the letter n and entertainment on instagram and crime and entertainment on the facebooks share the show on your instagram folks that really helps drive us up the charts and that will do it for today's episode i'm hollywood wade that was anthony ruggiano and this was behind the gangster